What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hi, this is Bennett Kelly. Thanks for listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. Before you take a recess to hear the latest internet law news and commentary, you are hereby ordered to download the Webmaster Radio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Okay. Maybe not ordered, but why not? You can listen live to my show and all our show hosts every day on our live stream or download past episodes with ease. So download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app in the iTunes store or in the Google Play store. It's an open and shut case. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly from the Internet Law Center here in a very warm and sunny Santa Monica, California, the heart of Silicon Beach. want to welcome you back. Please be seated. We've got a good session for you today. And we're going to be talking with a, a return guest um, but who has a, a new book out called True Crime Online, um, The Shocking Stories of Scamming, Stalking, Murder, and Mayhem. And um, we have Jane Hitchcock with us again. In the second half hour, we're going to be talking about um, several different issues, ranging from the uh, Manny Teo debacle um, to Internet Freedom Day, and as well as um, we have some interesting dates of um, anniversaries and birthdays to go over. Um, so, but without further ado, um, let me bring on Jane Hitchcock. And I want to um, just read a little clip from um, the foreword to her book by Denise Brown. And um, she, she ends it by saying that um, when I was a child, I was one of six girls who used to run around the neighborhood from house to house. Neither our parents nor any of us felt threatened. Life wasn't scary back then, and home was our safe haven. Today our homes are not what they used to be. We must not let our privacy become permeated by evil. Let's put an end to these heinous crimes. Let's make our homes and communities safe again, online and offline. Jane, thank you for continuing to educate us and for doing everything to keep us safe. Denise Brown, Advocate Against Violence, at denisebrown.com. So, Jane, um, congratulations on your new book and um, with a great um, forward by um, Denise Brown. Um, and so, um, great to have you. How are hey, you today? thank you. I'm oh, doing good and freezing, but other than that, I'm doing fine. So, you, you, you know you, the pool isn't open today, I take it. No, the hot tub is, but I'm not going in. <laughs> So for those who aren't familiar, um, Jane is, uh, well, we broadcast, um, well, what Bass Radio is, is broadcasting from Port Lauderdale, and I am doing the show from Santa Monica. Um, Jane is in York, Maine? Yep, right on the uh, coast. Um, a, a beautiful town with um, Victorian homes, and um, it, it's just really nice to, uh, I always enjoy the ride up on um, Route 1 up the coast towards Maine. any event, um it's good to have you, and I'm sure your, your weather is quite extraordinary today. Apparently, they closed the ski slopes. Um, yes. And you said Maine and New Hampshire? Yep. 
pretty much all of them. They, it was the first time I've ever heard that on the news when they announced it. And it's just, it's so-called they were telling people, even if you bundle up, don't stay out. Don't go running. Don't walk the dog. Don't do anything. It's, it's that cold. Well, I mean, I, 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 mean I, I remember being in Washington when they canceled the, the inaugural, when Reagan got sworn in the second time. Cause it was like one degree or something like that. And it got to, got to be a high of seven. Um, so, but I mean, I think where you are, what was, what's the temperature there? Um, this morning when I got up, it was technically it was five, but with the wind chill, it was minus 14. Ouch. Um, yeah, yeah the, the wind really gets you and you have to be careful just so the exposure and, um, not, not being out too long. Um, although I've been fortunate, I haven't had to do that in, in quite some time now. Um, so your book has some great, um, you know, some great reviews. Um, for example, I'll try not to hit the mic as well. It's been my <laughs> suggestion. Um, frightening, eye-opening, a must-read for parents and children innocently surfing the net and anyone considering an online date. Um, yep. And then you have um, Dr. Henry. That's, that's by um, Kate Fuhrer of Finding Amy. And then um, you have Dr. Henry Lee says it's, True Crime Online gives real examples of internet crime from investigation by law enforcement authorities through the court to the court deposition. A useful tool for students and practitioners investigating these crimes. And that's um, Dr. Henry Lee of the Forensic Science Lab in Connecticut. And so as we move forward, you're someone with a unique background because you come from um, both uh, – you're an advocate, but you also have a law enforcement background. Oh, uh, well, it, it, it's law enforcement in a sense where I, I do training um, of law enforcement for the Department of Defense at the Cybercrime Conference every year. I've been this year, they haven't scheduled the conference yet. They had to reschedule it, and I'm waiting for a date, but this will be my eighth year of doing training for them. Um, so that, I guess, is my technical law enforcement background. But other than that, I basically learned how to do what I, what I do on my own. I basically taught myself and then started training others. And this is, you've, you've written several books before, haven't you? Yes. Um, actually, my first six were uh, about Okinawa, Japan, and one of those is about Iwo Jima. And then when I moved back to the States in 1996, I was looking for a publisher, and that's when I blew the whistle on a scam literary agency out of New York, and uh, at, and they began stalking me online. That's how I got involved in all this was because of what happened to me, I had to learn how to trace it to figure out who was doing it and, and convince people that it was these people. And then it took me 10 years before I ever got any justice. So in between, I founded my organization, uh, Working to Halt Online Abuse, began training law enforcement, began speaking at conferences, um, wrote my uh, seventh book, which is called Net Crimes and Misdemeanors, the first edition in 2002. Second edition of that came out in 2006, and then the latest book just came out last week. And and it's quite a book it is. Now, um, how how have you been, what's the feedback you've been getting, other than obviously we, we read some of the reviews, but in terms of just like everyday readers, what, what have their reactions been? Uh, actually, the, so far the reviews on Amazon have been all five stars and, and great, and I've had, um, I have one friend, she actually lives in Sarasota, Florida, she's in her 60s, and she is uh, not an online person at all, she has still has a flip cell phone, and she called me, and she was just, I said, hello, she's Jane, and I said, yeah, she was really quiet for a while, 
Jean, are you there? She goes, I just can't believe your book. This is, I, I'm not online, but I just was, this is amazing. I'm going to recommend it. To all. I was like, calm down. <laughs> you know, wow, that, that and is... she said, and she said that even though she's not online, she said the graphic of the cover got her most, but she said when she started reading it, because it was true crime, it got to her. And, um, how did how did you pick the material for the book? Well, when I first pitched this to my publisher, um, they were pretty hesitant about it. You know, as a matter of fact, um, they weren't sure that people want to buy stories about things that happen to somebody online. I say, you know what? People love this kind of stuff. They love things about serial killers. I mean, you see in the Cosmopolitan, GQ, they have like feature articles, Wired Magazine, about bad things that have happened to people online. It took me a lot of convincing. And then once they gave me the go-ahead, I already had, um, was it two or three chapters? I had three. Uh, the first one, which is about Amy Boyer, I had written a short thing about in Net Crimes and Misdemeanors, so I expanded it to tell the full story about what happened to her. And then there was uh, the story about Jason Haas from Ghost Hunters on the Sci-Fi Channel. That was a case that I personally worked on. And then I started just doing searches online just to see, you know, what what would be very different that people would want to read. And the first thing I thought of was serial killers. So I said, gee, I wonder who the first serial killer was that used the internet. And that's how I got that chapter. And then um, I found an article about this guy who actually advertised, it was over in Germany, uh, online asking for someone that would be willing to be uh, killed and eaten. So I got my online cannibal story that way. Uh, and then uh, it just kind Not of... Not another online cannibal story. Uh, uh, oh, <laughs> Believe me, I mean, not only was there that, that was the main one, then there were some at the end that were more recent. Uh, it, it just was really scary doing this research for this. And uh, then, of course, there was the Craigslist uh, killer, uh, Philip Markoff um, out of Boston, uh, Phoebe Prince, which is also out of Massachusetts, the girl that was bullied online to the point where she killed herself. Right. It just became more of remembering stories I had read that were kind of compelling. And then... Uh, just doing a general search on like Google News to, just to see if anything popped out at me that I wanted to pursue. So that's really how I got them all. Now, um, I, I, it's, it's somewhat tangential, but I, I recall speaking with a congresswoman who was on the Homeland Security Committee and on the issue of you know cybersecurity. And, and she said you know, before um, she goes to a hearing, sometimes she asks herself whether she wants to be able to sleep at night. Because yeah. it's that alarming. And you know, and from what you know, when you dig in this this underbelly of the internet, I mean, does does it rub off? Do you, do you feel alarmed or discouraged or? Yes, definitely, I do. Um, there's one chapter that is not in this book. Um, it was actually about. I'm sure they didn't put it. Well, there, there was one that was really disturbing. I was doing the research for it, but you probably heard about the. Um, the Mexican drug cartel, how they would um, kill bloggers that posted. Yes, and the, the very um, visual image of them hanging over yeah. the, the freeway by Juarez. Oh yeah, I, I did a I did a chapter about that, but I told my editor, I said, I'm not really sure I want to publish this chapter because what if they come looking for me? And that that really kind of scared me. That was probably the one that I wasn't really sure that I wanted to have in the book. Um, and, you know, they ended up not putting it in, which was probably a good thing. But, uh, you know, the more I got into that, that really 
kind of terrified me because those guys are ruthless. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it just, that one, the one about the, um, how to catch, you know, the online predators, uh, of course the cannibal one was just one of those where I kept shaking my head reading it, you know, reading what I was writing and trying not to get too freaked out about it. And then you have the people who advertise on Craigslist and get harmed because of that. And it's so many of the stories are things that actually happen to real people, not, you know, people like you and me. I mean, this right. isn't just like a celebrity, you know, I, I, Jason Hawes is kind of celebrity. So that was probably my big one there. And then Bernie Madoff was another one, but the, the rest of the people pretty much are very average, normal people. So when people, if you got asked the question, are people basically good? What would you answer? Um, people are good, but people are very trusting and naive. They tend to want to trust the person that they're dealing with online. I know you were talking about Manti Teo, and you yes. know that whole thing was just. You know, I'm sure he's embarrassed as hell about the whole thing because. You know, for the longest time, it was just going back and forth on whether he really knew her or he didn't. Did he meet her in person? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, but it's, it's those kinds of things. I mean, he's just a normal kid. Right. You know, and uh, he was, you know, he believed what he read online. And that's what a lot of these cases, that's what happens is people tend to believe what happens to them online. He's just a normal kid with a, a girlfriend he never sees um, yeah. who doesn't exist. But other than that. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, I mean, I know you're laughing, but it's interesting how many people actually have that happen to them where they are so desperate for love that they don't think safety-wise that they should stick with someone that's within driving distance of them. And the other person on the other side of the computer screen has just, um, not to do a pun, but hook, line, and sinker, they got them. And that's, that's what happens. I've, I've, seen cases and some that have come to my organization where it's mainly women that get reeled in by men pretending to be someone that they aren't um actually sending money and presents to these people and then they keep getting asked for more money and they give it and then and then they're so embarrassed when it's like thirty forty thousand dollars uh one woman by the time she came to us, I said, you have got to go to the police. And she was embarrassed. She said, I, I, I'm, I just can't do that. And I said, you have got to go to the police because this guy ripped you off. It was like almost $40,000. She cashed in her retirement, her life savings for this guy. And until she realized there were, her kids finally sat her down and said, Mom, you know, this is not going to happen anymore. And they actually had to um, do, what's that, the, the legal order where they take over her affairs? Oh, yes, put a trustee. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they, they actually took over her affairs so she couldn't get into Conservatorship. Yeah, so she couldn't get into her accounts anymore. And she eventually did go to the police, and um, they they were never able to catch the guy because by that time he realized she, she knew that it was a scam and he disappeared, or he, she, or whoever it was. You know, it's interesting because you mentioned the, the, the Minty. Um, I, I was thinking about it this morning, and if you look at it historically, I mean, just in, and even in drama, um, Shakespeare. A lot of the Shakespearean comedies are about, you know, misapprehension um, of who someone is. You yep. know, uh, um, you know, disguised people in disguise, or you know, people confused. You know, Romeo and Juliet. You know, Juliet thought Romeo was dead. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, oh, no, vice versa. And, um, and, and things of that nature. And then even down to Madam Butterfly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it's, you know, in some respects, you know, Manti isn't, it's not that unusual a story. It's just that in today's cyber world, we assume a certain level of sophistication, I think, that maybe, you know, I think people are willing to dispense with very quickly. Yeah, it, it's amazing how trusting some people are, and they just don't want to believe that anything bad will happen to them. So they, they don't, they, they think that they're safe, and they don't realize that, uh, no, you're not as safe as you think you are. And, uh, you know, I just, I don't understand, I mean, from my standpoint, I think I'm smart enough not to be fooled by that because I deal with it every day, but for the average person, I can kind of see where they fall for it. Now, um, one thing is, um, in looking at the book, you, what what do you think that the chapter that's, that people are going to remember the most? Hmm. I don't know. Just flipping through it here. I, it, I think it really depends on what they identify with most. I think probably the first Internet serial killer might be the most interesting because people love serial killer stories, but... You know, and the other ones, it, it really depends on, what, you know, if they have teenagers, they'll probably remember the one about, you know, the, the teen girls in Florida that beat up the one girl and posted it on YouTube. And for somebody else, it might be uh, Amy Boyer's story, you know, about, about this guy that she didn't even know and he shot and killed her and they didn't figure out why he had done it until they went through his computer. Uh, and then, you know, the, the Craigslist family out in um in Washington state where they advertised a, a ring for sale. And when the couple came to the door, they ended up um, pushing them inside and killed the husband. And there were four of them involved. I mean, that might hit home to somebody maybe that deals with things on Craigslist. So I think it really depends on, on the person. Um, now, one thing we've talked about in one of the examples you give here, you know, is the, you know, the, 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 the Irish girl, um, from Massachusetts. Um, what was her name again? Phoebe Prince. Yeah, she was bully side. And we, last time you were on, we were talking about that, and we actually got a fair amount of response on that, that issue. And um, and you've been active in on the Amanda Todd in terms of trying to um, get some of the uh, the really abusive um, things about her. Um, you know, she's still being harassed now. What several months after her death? Yeah. Um, trying to get that down, and it seems that. Um, you know, Facebook is is being pretty lax in terms of some yep. of the um, sites that are up there. And have you had any communications with them? Yeah, I do know somebody who works for them, and he's very defensive about it. Which you know, I guess if you work for Facebook, you have to be. But I agree with you. I think they are extremely lax, and that they don't take down harassing profiles, groups, pages. They don't work with victims and help victims, you know, their, their basic thing is, well, just block and report the person. Well, that's not going to do it. I mean, yes, the victim might not be able to see what that person is posting, but that doesn't stop the harasser or the bully, the stalker from creating a new profile, a new group, a new page. There has to be a way to very quickly remove these so that these people realize that as long as they keep trying to open up new profiles or pages or groups, if they're going to be taken down, then they'll stop. Because when we work with victims, and we can resolve over 70% of the cases, the majority of the time it's because we contact the Internet service provider or the website or, or the website host, and 
get the accounts canceled. And that usually does it. When people realize that they can't get away with it, they tend to stop. And um, and then we're not quite there yet. No, we're not. It, it just kind of amazes me that um, um, we have our mascot for my organization, Phoebe, my Siberian Husky, and she goes to schools with me, and she has a profile on Facebook. And um, they were going to remove her profile. I got very upset. I said, do you know how many kids when we go to these schools that are her friend, that they will talk to Phoebe. I know that they know it's me, but they will talk to a dog about what's going on in school and being bullied or harassed or anything versus going to a real-life adult. And, I, and they said, well, you can just make it a page. And I said, no, because they can't do personal messages as such, you know, that they feel comfortable. They feel comfortable thinking of her as a person, I guess is the best way to put it. And they finally let her profile stay out. But it get, gets me so mad that they are so insistent on removing pet profiles when you have all of these scammers, bullies, harassers, and stalkers out there. And on the other hand, not realizing that the adults that are behind these pet profiles actually are more active with the games, uh, with liking pages, with joining groups and things like that more than other Facebook users. And they're actually generating probably revenue for Facebook pretending to be their pets. It is interesting, that whole concept. And there was recently something in the Wall Street Journal weekend edition about two or three weeks ago about um, deceased Facebook users and you know, what happens to deceased their account and how somehow to some keeping the account active is part of the grieving process. And to yeah. others, obviously, shutting it down is very important. They just don't want that reminder. You know, yeah, that, well- yeah, some of them also will. They can uh, change it into a page, so it can become like an in memoriam type thing, which I don't have a problem with. I think that's probably the best way to do it. Uh, you know, that way people that don't realize that that person is dead will come upon it. I mean, my my, yes. previous, my previous husband died back in two thousand six, and I have a group for you know in remembrance of him. And I still, I had about a month that I had somebody got in touch with me, had no idea he had died. You know, and so the group is a good way for people to come right. and you know and just talk and stuff. So that's true. Uh, I mean, because in today's with that type of situation, I mean, their grieving just started now. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting, um, just because of that, because of the disparity of when people learn and when you know we're separated all across the country and and people reconnect and yeah, that's very useful. Mm-hmm. I, I just remember you know Plaxo reminding me about someone's birthday. And you know they died two years earlier, and I, I just contacted Black, so I said, "Listen, you might want to stop doing this because you know for some people that may not be very comfortable." Yeah. But um, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, um, we're going to be talking to the acclaimed author Jane Hitchcock, um, t- telling us more about true crime online after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. This is how you sell with social. Have you tried to do CPA conversions using social PPC and failed? You're not alone. These days, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube require true specialists to dominate. Aim Clear, the agency, brings definitive psychographic targeting, bleeding edge creative, and killer content amplification to the social advertising table. Aim Clear, this is how you sell with social. Aim Clear, this is how you sell with social. 
Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I signed us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. You're listening to Cyberlaw and Business Report. And from Chile, York, Maine, we have Jane Hitchcock. Jane? Yes. And um, <laughs> so um, how, how are you going to stay warm on this chilly day? Well, I'm going to confess to you, I'm still in my jammies. <laughs> it's one great way about, thing about doing radio interviews. And I've got the fire going in my office fireplace. That's, that sounds quite enticing. So um, you, uh, in, the, in the little time we have left, um, yeah. are you traveling at all? Are you doing a book tour with this book? Um, it's starting to pick up. I'm actually going to Old Dominion University this coming Monday, and I'll be doing a talk at the university Tuesday evening and then at 7 o'clock. I'll do a book signing at the bookstore. Is that Fredericksburg? Then, um, I'm sorry? Is that Fredericksburg? No, Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk, okay. Yeah, and then um, after that, I'm trying, I've got a local one set up here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire for February 10th, and trying to do uh, some local book signings, and my publisher is trying to figure out if they want to send me to the Book Expo or some other conference, so it's just starting, and uh, the publicist said, um, that are working with me. There are three of them at the agency. Uh, started last week, and they're doing a six-week campaign and to do like media and try and get more interest in the book. I mean, if you came out west, I mean, we could easily get you hooked up with you know a week's worth of events. So yeah. um, def- definitely consider it. Particularly, <laughs> if, if <laughs> this, I, this if, time if, of year might make more sense. Yeah, I know. If I had the money, I would be on the next plane out. But, you know, money's tight these days, so I have to depend on people either booking me or paying for the travel. So there are a couple of fights. Yes, and budgets. And these days, book tour budgets are smaller. uh, Yes. Yes, definitely. And your publisher is, um, you're working with Cyber Age Books. Yeah, Information Today and Cyber Age Books is uh, a division of their um, company, and um, they were the ones that also published my Net Crimes books. Now, um, your whole time on abuse, um, 
site, you recently got a spokesperson. Why don't you tell us about that? Yes. Uh, Courtney Compton. Uh, she was a former Miss Teen uh, USA, and she went up for Miss USA uh, Utah. Where, that's where she lives, and she didn't make it. But she is now working as a sportscaster uh, out out west, which is good. And she had actually come to me for help because she had been she was being bullied and harassed online uh, by a man who had befriended her. And this was again kind of like the Manny Tio thing. Um, she didn't date him, but he said that he had connections in the broadcasting field, and he would be happy to help her. And he led her on and led her on. And then. Somebody got in touch with her when she mentioned it on her Facebook profile and said, this guy is a scam. And once she confronted him about it, he began harassing her. So I helped her with that and asked her if she'd be interested in being our spokesperson. So when she does events and things like that, she mentions our organization, which is great. And she's a real sweetheart. And I'm hoping that she'll run for Miss USA uh, Utah again uh, for 2014, which I believe she's going to. And I, I really hope she'll win. That would be a great thing. Actually, we were um, we were just in um, Vegas. Where, was it Miss USA or Miss America? I think it was just Miss USA they just had. And um, we were there for the, the overlapping with the contest. But yeah. um, I, I don't know if she, maybe she was there. But actually, I spoke with her boyfriend briefly, and uh, I, I was aware of what was going on. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but that's um, that's really great. That, that definitely raised the kind of the awareness level of, of um, your site. And has it brought additional traffic, or we're getting about the same number of victims? You know, it's funny how some weeks we'll get maybe one or two cases, and then this week we've already gotten between twenty to thirty. It's 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 not even the weekend yet, so it it just really is odd how it's not a consistent thing as far as the number of cases we get. Do you think um, is, there'll be? A more of a concerted effort to address this on a policy level anytime soon or do you still think this is going to be in the shadows? Uh, I, I have been trying for years to get a federal cyber stalking law passed. I have worked with so many congressmen over the years I finally gave up because <laughs> I know that they're, they, they always say that it's part of the VAWA, the Violence Against Women's Act, but in the same sense address the stalking, the federal stalking law and add cyber stalking to it because a lot of cases happen to men as well as women. Yes. And it's just, if it's a part of the VAWA Act, there are going to be men out there that will feel that they are not going to be covered by it because that specifically addresses females. And I really think that all it needs to do is just, you know, refine the, the, cyber, the, the stalking law and add cyber stalking to it. And I think we'd be all good, but it's finding a sponsor and then doing testimony and all that and, I've testified. I testified a few times for it in the past. Oh God, I can't even tell you how many years. And like I said, I just kind of like kind of gave up. And pretty much, I think it's all fifty states do have cyber stalking or related laws. So, and a lot of the states do cooperate with each other on cases, which is good. So, but, yeah, I think we are making progress. It just yep. it seems that. Um, it doesn't quite. It's kind of the second tier of attention level, and I think it would be great if someone took it took it on. Have you ever talked to Congressman Markey? No. Nope. About the because you know he's um, I guess he's one of the front runners to take the Senate seat um, nope. once Senator Kerry gets confirmed, and I know he's very big on privacy. I didn't know whether he had been uh, very active on this issue yet. So. Nope, not that I know of. Anything else you want to let us know about before we um, we, we switch off? 
I guess if people want to go to the website for the, for the book, it's truecrime-online.com. And it's also on Facebook. And yes. if you go to the uh, Cyberlaw and Business Report page on Facebook, um, we'll have a link for it there. And um, it's also um, – we'll have a link for it on our blog as well. So um, – it's always a pleasure having you, Jane, and thank you for joining us on this cold day for you. Yes, um, thank you. And I wish you a lot of luck with this book. And everyone, please check it out. It's, you know, these, these are important stories that, that are happening um, in the, the community that we inhabit every day. You know, yeah. We're all on the web, and um, it's, it's alarming, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an enlightening. And, and seeing just what happened with um, – with, um, Manny Teo just it just shows you this can happen to anyone. It can happen to you, and it's it's useful to know what's how this uh, how we can what we can do about it. So everyone, please check out Jane's book. And Jane, it's always a pleasure. And um, so I look forward to the next time you're here. Thank you Thanks very again. much. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. All right. So. Um, very important book by Jane Hitchcock. It's True Crime Online, Shocking Stories of Scamming, Stalking, Murder, and Mayhem. J.A. Hitchcock with a forward by Denise Brown. So um, in our second segment, we have um, several things we're going to cover. Um, but why don't we start with Manny Deo? And it's interesting um, how this thing developed. And I was actually um, contacted by um, some reporters on the issue to kind of talk about what the legal issues were here. And, and there, um, for the most part, there aren't. Um, the whole scenario was, um, was wrong, but there doesn't really seem to have been any crime committed in the sense that they didn't really ask for money. Although at one point, they did suggest um, they gave some bank account information and he balked from that. Um, so there was no fraud. There's nothing he could really do against them. There was no damages other than kind of the personal aspect. And everyone jokes about, you know, well, I have emotional distress. I'll sue for that. Well, the law is actually um, very difficult on emotional distress. It's not just emotional distress. It actually has to be severe emotional distress. And there has to be evidence of it um, in manifest itself physically. And so, you know, we saw... In, um, Teo have a, a great senior year at Notre Dame and didn't seem to be any physical manifestations affecting him. Um, obviously, there were emotional issues, but you know, so it, it, this, that requirement makes it, makes it difficult for him to file a claim for emotional distress. Plus, I don't know if a, you know, a linebacker wants to be filing a claim for emotional distress while he's up for the draft. And um, and so, but it was interesting in that I, I was talking to the, the reporter about it, and you know, I kind of tried to explain the law and um, said how you really need this extreme distress, and you know, it has to be something more than you know, like a bummer. And 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 of all the things we said, that was the quote they used. You, know, you need something more than a bummer, which actually is probably not the most articulate thing I've ever said, but. Um, and it, it, he didn't include the quote I, I did say later on, which is fortunate, because I did say, actually, the only issue I see here is uh, the possibility that the NCAA may want to um, um, investigate Notre Dame, because if, if Teo was so stupid to fall for this, um, you know, how could he have passed Notre Dame? Um, but that was just a flip remark. Um, you know, this, as we talked on earlier, you know, these type of things happen um, all through history. 
And uh, as you know, I just recently saw a Shakespeare play where the you know everyone everyone's gender and everyone's role. You know, who's the the king is the pauper, the the queen is the king, or the queen is a guy, or you know, all sorts of you know, machinations. And um, it was very common in Shakespeare plays. So it's interesting to see it play itself out here in the online world. Now, it's also interesting that all this is happening. You know, Manateo has a fake girlfriend when there are actually sites now called fake. There's one site called fakegirlfriend.co. Um, there's a, a new um, site in uh, Brazil where you can pay so much a month and you can get a fake girlfriend that will actually post stuff online. Um, on your Facebook page, since you know, say, "Oh, hi, sweetie," all that type of stuff, um, or they also have one that um, you can have a fake ex-girlfriend, so someone that will you know post like you know, I guess nasty grams. I really haven't, don't really know what would be involved in it, but um, and why? <laughs> why would one want to pay to have an ex-girlfriend? But it, it's it's kind of interesting because it all goes back to. Um, Many years ago, that that famous New Yorker cartoon that on the internet, no one knows that you're a dog, and um, and you know that's a truism that is coming clearer and clearer every day. Um, you know, the whole issue of the the catfish phenomenon, where um, someone was luring you in um, and under a, a under guise of being someone else, as was being was shown in the catfish documentary or um, faux documentary, and uh, and the current show that's on TV um, is um, is is completely revealing you know that very point, and um, you know, and so it's just it's just fascinating to see how this works out and. Um, I just want to get the name of the Brazilian site. It's kind of funny. It, uh, I was looking at the ad, and um, yeah, so you can get a girlfriend for thirty nine dollars, an ex girlfriend for nineteen dollars. Um, so I guess there's that's what the, the market diminution is. If once you break up, you're worth twenty dollars less a month. Um, and that's namoro.com, and it's a Brazilian site. And um, Brasco, I don't know what you're thinking. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you must have some thoughts on that one. But um, I want to follow up also on our story from last week. We talked about um, the tragedy of Aaron Schwartz. And um, there's actually going to be a memorial service for him. In San- if you're in San Francisco tomorrow um, at the Internet Archive. And so there are a number of people going there. There's, um, there's some notices post- posted on the Electronic Frontier Foundation site. And so if you're in San Francisco and you want to um, commemorate Aaron, um, that is going on. And um, so I encourage you to check it out. Um, Now, there's been fallout from the Aaron Schwartz event. Um, um, Some of the people have been very critical of the U.S. attorney in that case, and including members of Congress. Um, One of the criticisms was leveled by... um, it was one of the leading Silicon Valley members of Congress, and um, you know who said that. Frankly, she thought it was something of a, of a line of a travesty. And um, let me get you the actual quote. Um, and you also have you have leading members of the internet been very critical. For example, um, 
Tim Berners-Lee, one of the founders of the web, called the prosecution a travesty of justice. Um, Zoe Lofgren, um, who is one of the most prominent Silicon Valley members of the web, of the of Congress, and um, she said the handling of the case was pretty outrageous and way out of line, while um, Congressman Jared Polis from Colorado said the charges were ridiculous and trumped up. Um, you've also had the the um, White House um, online petition website. It, the, there was a petition to dump the U.S. attorney responsible for the case, and they, uh, at the time, the threat, they've since raised it to 100000 I believe, but at the time, the threshold for getting a White House response was 25,000 signatures, and they are already at 40,000 um, in the short time since Aaron has died. So um, that pressure is building there on the U.S. attorney. They responded that the career prosecutors handling this matter took on the difficult task of enforcing a law they had taken an oath to uphold and did so reasonably. And they added that while a violation of law did not warrant severe punishment, um, her office had offered Schwartz a six-month um, of at a low security prison if he pleaded guilty, but they were insisting on prison time and pleading guilty to a felony, which you know obviously affects the rest of your life. Um, she added, no time did this office ever seek or ever tell Mr. Swartz's attorneys that it intended to seek maximum penalties under the law. So that, that, that is still reverberating, and it reverberated in part on, over the weekend on Friday with Internet Freedom Day. And that is the anniversary of the SOPA um, victory in which the, um, the, um, they had the Internet blackout. The internet went black. A number of sites, you know, leading, ranging from Google to Wikipedia, and a whole bunch—more than a, a billion people—saw anti-SOPA messages that day. Um, four top ten, thirteen top one hundred U.S. sites, one hundred fifteen thousand small to medium-sized sites participated in the strike. Um, there were fifty thousand blacked out, all or part of the site. So it was—it was quite a huge event, and. Um, to have um, something like that is, is very interesting. Um, and so the anniversary was the 18th. And as part of that day, they were calling for a number of things. Um, one was to sign the Declaration of Internet Freedom, opposition to the Trans-Pacific Partnership um, Treaty, which we'll talk about at another time. And then, um, but one of it was justice for Aaron Swartz. And so that was the first issue for them on commemorating Internet Freedom Day, and since he did play a, a big role in the soap opposition, and so um, it's it's still very much an important part of the the campaign to them. And so um, we um, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll uh, wrap up for today, and um, we'll get you going for next week on Cyber Law and Business Report. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. 
Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king. WebmasterRadio.fm is the destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Engage with our panel of on-air experts and peers by following us on Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and LinkedIn so you can reach us before and after every program. We also feature our exclusive real-time chat room where we welcome all listeners to engage with our show hosts during every live show. You can listen to WebmasterRadio.fm on air or on demand from our website or through iTunes, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts. Interact and stay informed by following us on Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Just search for WebmasterRadio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report, broadcasting to you from the heart of Silicon Beach here in Santa Monica. And today is a significant day, and there's a couple of anniversaries and shout-outs we'd like to do um, as we wrap up here today. Um, but today is um, a big day in American history because um, it is the 234th birthday of Georgetown University. Um, originally founded as Georgetown College um, by John Carroll, who became um, <clears throat> the, um, the, the first cardinal in, that, in Maryland. Um, and it is the first Catholic college in the United States, the first Jesuit college in the United States. And Georgetown, over the years, has produced um, what, 10 heads of state, including President Bill Clinton. And um, its current vice president is also a Georgetown grad, as is the host <laughs> today. Um, and so we've had a number of Georgetown grads on. And uh, so it's, um, let's just say a shout-out to um, Georgetown community. And not to all the Hoyas out there and all the other Hoya lawyers, um, you've definitely made your mark on um, American history. And um, if you go to the Wikipedia page and just a number of distinguished alums, it's amazing. Um, you know, right now you have, in addition to the vice president, you have um, Justice Scalia from the Supreme Court is from Georgetown, several members of Congress, excuse me, several members of the cabinet, a number of members of Congress. And interestingly, when um, Clinton was... Um, in office, the uh, the impeachment effort was led um, by a Georgetown grad, um, Congressman Henry Hyde, um, who was um, one of the main instigators there. So it's um, they've they've had the, they've had their hands on American history um, for 234 years now, and uh, they've made a great contribution. And um, if you haven't been to Washington, it's a very beautiful campus. Um, 
And it's also, if you've ever seen The Exorcist, at the Exorcist Steers just below Georgetown University, uh, right by Key Bridge going over to Roslyn, Virginia. So it's a very beautiful area. Um, the Georgetown um, neighborhood is, is just a beautiful area to walk around. Um, oddly enough, the law school has, n- has nothing to do with Georgetown. Um, geographically, it's actually down by the Capitol. But um, interesting day indeed um, for Georgetown. It also is... Um, some other historical notes worth mentioning. Um, today, in 1849, Elizabeth Blackwell um, was awarded her MD by Geneva Medical College and became the country's first female doctor. Um, and we also have, today is the day Tony Bennett recorded um, Left My Heart in San Francisco. Um, but it is, if many of you probably don't remember the Pueblo incident, when um, North Korea seized the American ship, the uh, USS Pueblo, and held them, uh, held the um, crew hostage until they um, confessed to spying um, under duress. Um, that was today they were seized. Um, today is also a major day, 1973. President Nixon announced peace with, South Viet- with North Vietnam and um, started the process of the U.S. exit from that war, um, which would end in 1975. But um, a very sad day today to recall is um, today is the day that Daniel Pearl was kidnapped in Karachi, Pakistan. And I don't know if you, many of you saw the, um, the movie um, depiction of that with Angela Jolie, and, um, but... It is a um, Daniel Pearl was someone who um, was a Wall Street Journal reporter, very much into um, uh, human beings, and he a, believed in human rights. Um, but he loved music. Everywhere he went, he he played music um, as a way to breaking barriers. And uh, but his final words before he was beheaded was. They asked him his religion, and um, it's only when they found out that he was Jewish that his life was endangered, and he he was beheaded um, shortly after 9-11. Um, so I actually know his parents. Um, they're wonderful people, and uh, I know this is a hard day and for them probably, um, but they've done a lot of good things since then. They have a Daniel Pearl Foundation. Um, it sponsors the... Daniel Pearl Award, which is the uh, most prominent award given at the L.A. Press Club Awards, um, Southern California Journalism Awards, and it is given um, to the journalist for sh- who has shown a career of courage in journalism. Um, and her um, Daniel's father is also a columnist in in the area, and I've actually competed with him um, in, in awards, and uh, he's a very gracious man um, and a charming man indeed. And so, but they also have an, an international day of music um, for commemorating, I think it's on Daniel's birthday. And so, um, you know, Daniel Pearl touched a lot of people, and, and his parents are enabling that they still do, and that the message of what happened, the tragedy that happened to Daniel Pearl, is is one that conveys now a message of peace, a message of music, of hope, and um, and so I think that's they want him to remember that way, because um, that's that's how he lived his life, and 
Um, they commemorate people who have taken courageous steps in journalism, just as Danny did in, um, in covering um, Pakistan shortly after 9-11. That was definitely not the safest place to be, and nor is it today. And um, so it's, it's just important noting um, that this event and um, to the Pearl family, um, obviously your prayers today and um, to everyone, journalists around the world who are taking risks, um, we appreciate your contributions and um, for furthering understanding and um, um, across the globe, regardless of the language, um, we, you're, what you're able to communicate and by reporting from every corner of the globe, you communicate awareness and understanding, and hopefully that will bring us closer together rather than as it did um, with the ugly beheading of Daniel. So um, there is a, one other – we do have some birthdays of note um, to shift to a different topic, um, and uh, it would be fitting if we had some technical – um, malfunction right now because then we can get out a uh, a toothpick or a stick of gum. Um, but it will be um, because today is MacGyver's birthday, and uh, surprisingly, uh, Richard Dean Anderson is a ripe old sixty-two years old. So MacGyver is only three years from getting Medicare. Um, I wonder what he could do once he's in the old folks' home. But I can't imagine that happening anytime soon. So um, we only have a few minutes left, but I want to thank you for joining us. And uh, other birthdays are um, Captain Sully, who landed the uh, U.S. Air um, flight in the uh, East River so skillfully. And uh, we also have Princess Caroline, um, the great actress, Jean Moreau. And um, we also have two senators today, um, Senator Frank Lautenberg of New Jersey and Thomas Copper of Delaware, along with... Um, our mayor down here in Los Angeles, Antonio Villaragosa, and the extraordinary singer Anita Baker are among the, the birthday honorees for today. So happy birthday to everyone. I want to thank you for joining us. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about some interesting topics. Um, we're going to be talking about mobile privacy um, down the road. Um, but um, next week, we're going to be talking about there was a study that on the use of U.S. technology um, in censoring across the globe, and that's an important thing. But we're also going to be talking about uh, the FCC has recently issued a gigabyte by city challenge, and the goal is to have one city in every state that has a gigabyte um, ultra broadband, much like we now see in Chattanooga and in Kansas City, as we talked about earlier. And we're going to talk about that the, the FCC's challenge to get to that point and just how closely we are um, along that line. Akamai has just recently released its State of the Internet report, so we'll actually have new data um, where we stand. And then um, after that, we're also, as I said, we're going to have um, Jules Polonetsky will be talking to us about mobile privacy and then I don't know if you saw any of the headlines. France is talking about taxing data collection. Um, and um, that's not making too many people happy on this side of the aisle, this side of the Atlantic. And um, we're going to be talking about what's going on in Europe. And because there's also efforts to make Google um, pay some kind of penalty or tax for um, distributing news 
in in aggregating. Um, so the newspapers there are putting pressure on Google. They recently paid a settlement in Belgium, and at the same time, there are um, there's tightening the the restrictions on the European data data protection laws. And so we're going to give you an EU update. In addition, um, after over over a year after enactment of the law, Canada's um, spam regulations have finally been released. And so we will be um, going over them. There's the 30-day review period. So Canada's spam law will soon be coming into effect. And so we're going to give you a, a briefing on that. And then finally, we'll talk about um, internet security and the threat from Iran. But I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Um, this is Bennett Kelly talking to you from Santa Monica, California. Um, court is adjourned. Please have a great week. And thanks again. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.